You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in Metro Studio A, aka the Turnwall Garage. Um, we are uh, wrapping up our series on at least the first part of our series. Our series is two parts restoration of women's roles and restoration of deacons or roles in the church, but we're going to focus on deacons. But i um, excited about wrapping up this part. And, and, you know, we've, it's been eight weeks. This is our class number eight. Um, oh, by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day. Today is St. Patrick's Day. So you get to pinch anybody not wearing green. It was probably too late. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, this is our last class. Uh, I'm excited about it. And then we've got one more on deacons, and then we're going to be doing a new series that Reese will be teaching, and I'm excited about that. Um, before we jump in, though, I want to um, let everybody know that you're going to be getting an email in the next few days. We're going to do a couple of surveys. Uh, the first one will be um, a survey about uh, returning to in-person services. And, uh, you know, as you know, things are beginning to uh, open up again. And uh, the government's, you know, allowing us certain freedoms. We are looking for parks that we could have some park services. We're also looking for ways that we could have, at this point, the regulations, the, the governmental regulations are no more than three households together. But that's plenty enough to have a great uh, Bible talk or house church service together and watch the service together. Or, of course, we can meet outdoors um, and with all the regulations. We're going to be sending out information to everybody about how that should go, you know, according to uh, guidelines, health guidelines. And, of course, we want everything to be safe. We don't want to endanger anybody's life for sure. And we want to protect everybody, especially uh, we are a high-risk region. We have a lot of high-risk people. We want don't want to feel anybody make anybody feel like they have to start meeting with everyone else. We're going to continue services online the way we've been doing it for a while. So those that, you know, want to meet together in a house and watch the services or those that want to meet at a park, um, you know, we'll make those different options available. There'll be a lot of information coming over the next few weeks. So not to worry, but just want to let you know what's coming down the pike and particularly that we have this survey uh, coming out to, to to just get a feel for how everybody's feeling. We don't want to push somebody that doesn't isn't ready to meet in person or shouldn't meet in person because we have members that definitely should not. And we also don't want to hold back people who are eager to meet. Um, I know some there's things already happening. Some Bible talks are already started. Uh, COVID safe gatherings and some of the ministries have started COVID safe uh, events. But uh, we also want to stay true to uh, obedient to the government authorities as we're commanded to. So um, so this is it, Restoration Series. We're wrapping up this class. Um, I'm going to open up and I'll give an address at the end where we can ask questions uh, that we have that come up about the series, and I'll try to answer those questions uh, maybe in the deacon's class or maybe in some other form that so that we can get those out there. Uh, quick review, um, you know, uh, what's been guiding us along, of course, is is the the importance of First Timothy four sixteen? Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And of course, we talked about that and how how that needs to guide us along in our study. Um, that we're um, trying to stay true to what the Bible teaches. What is the the doctrine of God? What does God think about this? 
That is the primary question. Not what does the world think, not even what do we as as members of the church think, but what does God think and what does the God show us and teach us. And then um, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Um, correctly handling the Bible is a big deal. You know, we talked about that. And, and I know we, we gave a lot of information fairly quickly, and I apologize for that. I was, you know, as it is, it's eight weeks. I was trying not to use, you know, too many, too many weeks going this. But, but um, I got feedback from some of the leaders and some people said, God, I think we need to slow down a little bit. It's, it's a lot very quickly. So trying to keep it slow, trying to keep bite-sized uh, teachings here. But, but you know, we, we're taking the time we're taking because we want to make sure we're correctly handling the word of truth. We're correctly handling it and we're being workers that are approved by God. So, and of course we have, you know, we, we, we are really uh, growing forward in, in the diversity of our fellowship. We come from a very diverse fellowship, which is great, which is fantastic. But that also means there's going to be diversity of thought and diversity of views. And we're learning how to manage that, how to stay together, stay faithful to God, to the scriptures, even though we come from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And, you know, in the past, our church was very homogenous, very monolithic in its view of things. And um, I think as we mature and grow, we're realizing we have different opinions and different views of things. And we have to learn how to work together, even though we may have some different views, and that that's okay. But we're still family, we still love each other, and we still want to be one. Amen? And um, one of the key scriptures that probably overrides and guides on many things that we're looking at is Galatians 3.26, which we just looked at uh, last time, um, where it says in Galatians 3.26, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized in the Christ have who were baptized in the Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay, so we so whatever we were wearing, whatever our uniform was, whatever tribe or nation or country or language or whatever, we 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 changed our clothes when we got baptized is kind of the 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 idea here that we all put on Christ, that we all became like Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. You are all one in Christ, Jesus. Right? We're all one. There's no, there's no left or right, conservative, Republican, uh, liberal, Democrat. There's none of that. There's not black or white. There's not, there's not Asian, Latino. There's in Christ. We are just Jesus' people. That's it. And and we have to understand that is radical. That was intensely radical when it was written and shared because the world was so stratified, so divided, so categorized in the first century. This was like totally radical to teach that we're all one, that there's there's no difference between us. Not you know, not neither racially, ethnically, gender, uh socially, that we're all one before God. It's not so radical today because we talk about that all the time. Now, it is still radical because we don't practice it. And that's a lot of what we've discovered this year is the injustice or the lack of equality between races, particular. But now the the hot topic 
today is is between gender. You know, I mean, right now there's a huge, huge memorial in London because of a woman who was killed by a police officer. And <clears throat> thousands and thousands of people have come to pay their respect and it's become it's taken center stage. Why? Because it's because there have been thousands of years of injustice towards women. And just like we've discovering, we're discovering the injustice or the lack of equality between ethnicities and races, particularly in the United States with the black community, but really universally all around the world with different minority groups or different uh, race groups. There has been a history of, of injustices, horrible injustices. Well, we're now realizing, well, you know, that also applies to the situation with women. And it's caused the questions to be raised and us to examine things. And are we giving in or participating in any of these injustices or inequalities? And the answer is yes. And that's a lot of what spawned this study and why we're, we're doing this study and questions are being asked and good questions. Um, we got right up to Ephesians 5 and this is here where we're going to start something new. We're jumping into new territory. So I'm going to say a prayer to just to, as we get into study here, um, and and and, I, and let me say this before we before we even pray is that part of the reason that was really challenging to even do this study and and you, you won't find many places that are doing it is because it's very hard to be comprehensive, meaning you know that that you can't cover all the bases and answer all the questions without it being you know three times longer of a study. I mean, we've gotten eight weeks. This could be this could easily be twenty four weeks. If we get into all the words, all the language, all the breakdown of the scriptures. So we're doing a, a I would say, a, a light study of these scriptures. And that means we're not going to answer all the questions. And and that's a little scary, honestly, as a speaker, you know, because people will easily misinterpret or, or get mad because something wasn't covered or something wasn't said. And that's why most people stay away from these subjects. That most most places, they don't want to talk about race. They don't want to talk about gender inequality. They don't want to talk about these things just because it's so touchy. It's so tough. But we're going there and we're diving in um, and we're, we're tackling it. Even though I know that we're not going to be able to answer all the questions and deal with all the issues. But uh, I'm more gearing all these studies towards the average person who just wants to know, what's the Bible say generally? What's, what are, what's, what's right? What's good? And those that want to do more in-depth study, as I said, you're welcome to email me and I'll send you the in-depth study. Uh, I'll send you more materials if you want. I personally have done a lot of studying even to be able to do these studies, to be able to do these classes, to make sure that I'm pretty acquainted, familiar with the material, familiar with the scriptures and the keywords, so that I'm teaching correctly, as correct as I can, as correct as I am able and I'm checking with other teachers, with what other people are saying, both pro and con, about the scriptures and about the teaching. So let's go to God. Father God, thank you so much for being patient with us. And help us, God, please, to have your heart and have your mind in all that we do, God. And understand your will. Help us, Father, not to uh, get caught in the 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 arguments and the political and the polarization of the world or how people think and how people act in the world. Help us, God, please, to be truly spiritual, Father. Help us to quiet our hearts, to be still, to listen to you, 
to be open to you guiding us, to be open to you teaching us through your word, God. We love you. We want to learn from you, God. And we want to do all things according to your will, as guided by your spirit and taught by your word of the Bible, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we jump into the last two scriptures, which are some of probably the most pointed scriptures here. Um, we jump into Ephesians 5. We're going to just go through 21 through 24. Um, and these last two scriptures are the, probably the, some of the ones that are most contented, contentious maybe, um, contested. That's the word I was looking for in terms of you know their application because they're very specific about uh, the order and how God sets up things. Ephesians 5.21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So obviously this is a pretty pointed uh, scripture in terms of order and who has to submit and who has to lead and who the different roles. And that's why this one draws a lot of attention. You know, the key word being here, submit, you know, or submission, the idea of submission. It comes from the Greek word hupotasso, uh, hupotasso. Um, which generally, um, I'm going to give some of the definitions and you can look them up yourself. There's, there is a dictionary of what do words mean? It's the classic dictionary. It's called Strong's, uh, uh, lexicon or Strong's dictionary. I'm putting it in different terms, but, um, of Greek words to be able to study out. Um, and, and that's always the challenge as, as, as I've mentioned in the past, you know, words can change and words have different meanings in different places. When I, I, you know, I learned Spanish in Mexico, and then we moved to Miami, and there were certain words that were very different that meant different things. And then there, when we moved to Puerto Rico, and we lived in Puerto Rico, there were words that I couldn't use in Puerto Rico that meant something very different than what they do in uh, in in Puerto Rico. I remember I went to a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Michelle and I went to a Kentucky Fried Chicken. And where it says corn underneath it, it said mazorca, it said elote, and then it said choclo. And it's like, what are all those words? Those are all different words for corn. But what a word, you know, choclo is in South America, mazorca is I don't even know where, and elote is Mexico. And, and, and that's all in the same time period. Different words are used in different ways. Imagine as time goes by, you know, I gave the illustration of when I was growing up young, I would say, man, that's so bad, you know, and that means entirely different today than it did back when I was growing up. When I was growing up, it meant you were really cool. Today, it means it's terrible, you know, and and words evolve like that. We say, oh, sick, you know, what does sick mean? What does that mean that your health is not good or does that mean it's really cool? It depends on the age of the speaker. It depends on where, with geographic location. So language is a tricky one, and so it takes a lot of study. Light study can mess you up. Light study can take you to the wrong place. So this is the the expert. This is like the Encyclopedia Britannica or the I can't say Wikipedia because you can't Wikipedia is not a totally reliable source at all. But but it's the standard. We'll put it that way of what a Greek word means. So 
hupostaso, hupostaso and Strong, Strong's definition to place or arrange under, to subordinate, to bring under influence. Okay, to be subordinate to somebody. And 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 here's the thing: is that there's there's different arguments about how it can be used, but this is the classic use, and this is why hupostaso is simply translated submit or submit yourself. Um, as I read in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I, I got to say this. Um, that's, that verse right there, submit to one another, verse 21, is usually separated by a paragraph break in your Bible. If you look at it in your Bible, it's probably separated from the rest of it. Now, of course, those separations and even the number system of Scripture, that was added much later. That was not... It's not how the Bible was written. It wasn't written, wasn't recorded in paragraphs and separations. In fact, it was recorded without any kind of paragraphs, without any punctuation. Um, you, there wasn't even separation of sentences. So you had to know how to read it. These, this Somebody decided to split that. Personally, I don't think it probably should have been split away because I think it encompasses the whole idea um, because he gets very specific about... Wives, submit yourselves, okay, this is not, it's not even a command to be in submission, it's submit yourself, live, be yourself in submission, it's a, it's a reflexive verb, it, it, it's what we do, like humble yourself, submit yourself, uh, control yourself, all, you know, all those yourself kind of ideas, that it's what we do for ourselves, it's not, it's not what somebody does to us. It's what we decide to be. When we go to work, we submit ourselves to the boss. We submit ourselves to the police. We submit ourselves to the com- to the government. Those aren't evil things. Those are right things. I know we we all kind of have a little rebellious nature, and you know, I, I've always, I've always, you know, I've always taught how, you know, we we have that. We have we all have a rebellious streak. In fact, one of the first words that kids learn is no. They learn to say no. I remember when my kids learned to say no. They just, wow, there's something powerful about that. You know, when we could say to the law, to the government, no. You know, I'm not doing that or I'm not. There's there's a, there's a part of us. And some of us were not that way. Some of us were very much that way. We love to be able to, to, to rebel and to strike out against. And, you know, that we, we have to be really careful with that one because that can really get us in trouble. Um you know, on the, on the one hand, I know that Jesus challenged the system for sure, um, especially the religious system. But on the other hand, he also, you know, he took the fish and got the coin just to pay, just to do what was right in the eyes of men. Um, you know, when they wanted to trap him about paying taxes or not. And, and he did things just to show his obedience. And he said he obeyed the father in everything. Um and so we have to keep that in mind. The scriptures teach us to be obedient to the authorities. And, and you know, so, so there's, there's a healthy balance there. Here, the submission, again, it's not an evil thing. It's what we do. It's, you know, we submit at work. We submit uh, in law. We submit in many areas. This really speaks more to the order of the household, that, that God uh, sets the husband up to lead his family which means everybody needs to submit. Everybody needs to follow leadership. But even the leader has to submit. And that's the first sentence. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, and that was necessary. Why? Because in the first century, a man could do whatever he wanted to. I mean, literally. 
He could beat his children. He could beat his wife. He could, he could even kill her. I mean, there's, and, and I, you know, I say in the first century, that is how it was in the first century. It's still like that in many parts of our world today. There are still many countries that where a woman can be beaten, can be murdered, and, and the man is, gets off free. And even here in the United States, there are still, uh, many situations where a woman is raped and she's the one that gets in trouble. And the man is protected because he's famous, because he's somebody. Um, you know, there was a case where a football player was filmed in the elevator, be you know, punching his girlfriend, and you know, they they suspended him and everything. But he ended up, he ended up, you know, they removed the suspension, ended up playing again. In other words, basically walked away scot free, and and the woman ended up marrying him later. It just it tells you a lot of what's going on in society. So that's not just. 2000 years ago that's still today a major issue right that then and so the first thing he says is submit to one another not just wives submit to your husbands he's reminding us husbands that we're all under submission all of us there's nobody here that's free of submission we get to do whatever we want you know and and of course the instructions will be later will be to love and serve each other, right? But but the rule of submission is for everybody, not just the women, not just the children. It's for the men too. And he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, okay? In other words, we give our hearts to God. We give ourselves to Jesus. You know, I, I you know, Jesus, take the wheel. We sing, right? Because we understand that Jesus is our leader, so we submit ourselves to him. So as we do to the Lord, we are to do that. And he says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. It's it's very clear that he's setting up an order here. And we've already read a number of scriptures that talk about that. He mentions it. It's mentioned again here, uh, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. In other words, there has to be an order. There needs to be an order. And and this is what makes a household run well. But of course, now, you know, there's we don't have time to get into all the teachings. You know, the, the husbands love your wives. That is a command there. That's the command. It's 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 all part of this. Is that we should and must love uh each other and husbands, what kind of leadership should they provide? Loving leadership. They're even commanded not to exasperate their children. Okay, all of this, these are all household orders or household uh, rules of how a house should run and what a healthy family will run like, okay? And and I understand the, the, there's a counter argument that, well, that's only because it was the first century. Nah, that's problematic because, you know, Paul makes references to the to Genesis that are definitely out of the times. They're more just theological. It's a theological argument, not a social argument. But we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so again, hupostaso is just to submit yourself. Well, the way it's said in there is to submit yourself. Hupostaso is just to submit. But it's used in the third person reflexive meaning that you know we're supposed to, we do this to ourselves like we submit ourselves to the lord we submit ourselves to leadership first timothy 2:11 13 and i i got to say this is that you know as americans 
it's very countercultural for us. We we're not big on submission. We we like to run things, and we don't like anybody telling us what to do. We don't like government interfering. We don't like there's. We definitely have a strong uh, rebellion streak in us, and and it really comes out in politics for sure. I mean, people are law and order, law and order until the law, the government does the opposite of what we think. Then it's riot and burn it down and storm it down. You know, I mean, it's we we have. We, we've got a strong rebellion streak in us as Americans, as as Western civilization, but specifically as Americans. And there's a whole reason for that. But but we have to recognize that too, that, okay, culturally, we have a hard time with submission. We just do. You know, the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world is much more comfortable with the idea of submission and understands that much better. Asian culture understands it much better. Indigenous culture, that we all live in submission to the community. You know, even Middle Eastern culture, you know, that we, we are part of something greater and we submit to the greater, not just to what we want and what I think. Um, the big one, last one that we're going to tackle here is First Timothy 2.11. Uh, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Okay, there's several words here that are key. Again, it's the idea of order in the house and how things should run. And Paul giving this argument that's a theological argument from the Old Testament is what really is one of the keys that shows us how to understand this. That um, this isn't, he doesn't make a theological argument about head coverings, okay, because that is clearly an issue of the day. This is a deeper issue. And he goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, which we studied in the first classes. Um, and the key words here are probably quietness, uh, submission, teaching, and authority. Uh, you know, if you look at it in Greek, you know, you got um, Hesuxia. You got hupostase, which we just read, didaskin, which is to teach, and authentain, which is the big word of authority, and once again, uh, hesuxia. Um, and I'll break those down into English. Don't worry. I just wanted to show you that they're in there. They're, 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 there's a lot in there. There's, there's These words pop up a lot because of the explanation. explanation. Um, we already talked about Hesekiah, uh, or what it meant to be quiet, what it meant to be silent, is not that you're not vocal, because we already know Paul said that there'd be women prophesying, there'd be women praying in the services, there'd be women participating in the worship service. So it's not saying that, even though that is one of the views, that is one of the views out there, is that women aren't to do anything. And there are churches that practice that, you know, that women aren't allowed to speak or make any any kind of sound in the church at all. Um, but that's not what he's saying. We know that from the use of the language, from the way it's written. Um, and then there's hypostase, which I just talked about, um, uh, about submission and submitting oneself. And then the last one, authenteo, which is uh, in, in, in Strong's Greek dictionary, it's to have authority over somebody, to domineer a situation, to be in control, right? And there's the healthy... You're responsible, you're in charge, and then there's an unhealthy uh, uh, domineering and coming down on, you know, seizing control. 
Some people would argue that that's really what's being said here is don't seize control, don't domineer the men. Um, the problem is that's not how the language is being used, and that's not how typically it's used. And there's a whole uh, explanation behind that. Um, you know, again, it, you know, people will debate different things and how the words are used, but that is not what the indicators are here. It's just being just very straightforward. Women not to have authority over the men and not to be in that position where they're exercising authority. It doesn't mean women don't speak. doesn't mean women don't preach. doesn't mean women don't, don't serve. It means that they're not to have authority over the men. And, and again, you know, he's using an Old Testament theological argument here. The word authenteo, that's the key word. Um, I'm going to read the definition. Authenteo has meaning such as power, authority, or originating in action or deed, compulsion, independent action, seizure of independent power, and giving orders. Um, the pejorative or the negative use of that would be controlling or dominating. Uh, the word had several different meanings depending on the content and use in a sentence. The controversy revolves around whether it is used as a pejorative, negative, or sense, or a neutral or positive. And again, the indicators are it's more neutral, it's more positive, and there's whole studies that you can be reading on that. And the reason that's important is because was it being sarcastic? Was, was Paul just saying you can't domineer the men? Or was he saying there shouldn't be authority over them? And all the indicators are that it's authority. It's not domineering. It's not a negative pejorative sense. So, and of course, as I said, the, the, the argument that is used is for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was the one deceived. It was a woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Okay, so, you know, that it's, he's definitely making an argument here of why theologically this is set up this way and why we need to accept that. And obviously not a popular argument, not a, not something that a feminist would, would agree with. But I think there's a principle here that we have to understand and keep in mind at all times. Um, I call it the, the upside-down kingdom. You know, there, there's a question out there. Okay, is this fair? Is God fair? Where Where's the justice? Now, why does a woman need to submit to the... Why does the wife need to submit to the husband? Which, by the way, these are a household instructions right family instructions um so why why does this this need to happen you know why does it have to be this way is god fair is he just well the answer is god is very fair and very just in all that he does and he brings justice to every situation and to every relationship sometimes things don't seem they don't seem like they're right. Sometimes things seem upside down in the way God teaches and does things, the way he operates. They're they're counterintuitive. They're countercultural. You know, well, what do, I, what do you mean, Robert? Well, think about it. You know, in his upside down kingdom, the greatest is the servant. That's completely opposite of how the world looks at things and how the world operates. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Again, totally upside down. In the world, it's strength, it's power, it's money, it's looks, it's it's having power, not weakness. Nobody wants to be weak, but that's how God's power is made perfect. Uh, we take pride, we're called to take pride in our humble circumstances, not in our wealthy, powerful circumstances, but in the humble circumstances. To gain the life, you must lose your life. 
You know, to gain life, to have life to the full, we must lose our life. To the one who gives the most gains the most. You know, I mean, that's a general principle. It's better to give than to receive, right? Uh, love your enemies and pray for them. You know, when the world is wanting to, you know, fight back and fight for for rights and and all these things that where Jesus, you know, tells us those who have wronged us love them, and that, not that it okay's it, not that it approves of it. But who we are before God. When attacked, turn the other cheek. When asked to go a mile, go two miles. Jesus made a, made perfect was made perfect in suffering. And 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 I mean that that's just so counterintuitive. How does suffering make us perfect? How does suffering make us better? And we do everything we can to avoid suffering. We take pills. We t- we pay doctors to keep us from suffering. We do we do everything we can to get away from suffering. People become addicted and and numb out to avoid suffering. I mean, this is so much the opposite of human nature, of what's happening in our world. Uh, Father, forgive them. They're ignorant. I mean, that's basically what Jesus said. Forgiveness on the basis of ignorance? Yeah, that's the upside-down kingdom. So submitting ourselves, following in order, is the opposite of the world. The world is, everybody should be in charge. You know, everybody... You know anybody can be the leader. The world is is it's all about amassing power, amassing influence, amassing wealth, amassing things that the world thinks of as valuable and necessary. That is not the way the kingdom of God is. And this is key to understanding some of these scriptures. Well, why would he do that? Is it that women can't lead? Oh, of course not. Of course not. I mean, think how different the world would be if women ran all the countries. We wouldn't have all these wars. We wouldn't have all this stuff. I'm not saying women are perfect. You know, they're no they're no more perfect than men. But their nature is to be much more cooperative than men's are. The women get together and they talk about all their weaknesses and what they're struggling. The men get together and they boast and compete with each other. Who's stronger? Who's faster? Who's we compete on every level? How different the world would be. It's not that women aren't smart enough. They are plenty smart enough. It's not that they're not strong enough. They're plenty strong enough. And in many ways, I could make the argument that women are just generally better leaders. And yet, men run everything. You know, and this is so it's there's there's a challenge here. Absolutely. Why would he ask anybody to submit? It's the way it's the part of it's the upside down kingdom that we belong to. And yeah, I submit I submit to the elders. I submit to them. And I know that, you know, I probably have more biblical training than most, at least most, if not all the elders, but I still, but that biblical training tells me to submit, that it is good for me to submit. And I believe that. I I absolutely believe that. And I believe that evangelists should should submit. And, and, you know, we had a culture for a while that evangelists were the, the, you know, the king of the mountain and everybody had to submit to the evangelists. I don't think that's biblical. And, and I... And I definitely think that all of us, no matter, I mean, elders too, everybody has to submit. So order and equality, I got to wrap it up here. Um, order, is there order? Yeah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus obeyed the Father, not the other way around. It wasn't the Father obeying Jesus. Jesus obeyed everything the Father commanded. Jesus did everything the Father commanded. Uh, Jews and Gentiles, Jesus was sent to the Jews. He said it several times. That he came for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. Now, you know, hold on. 
you know, God the Father, Jesus the Son, all right? There's an order there. Jesus is the head of the church. There's an order there. Man is the head of woman, and uh, husbands lead your families spiritually. Those are order things. Is there equality? Absolutely. Equal bearers of God's image. And, you know, there's there's no... There's no one more like God than the other. Uh, we're equal bearers of God's image. Neither Jew nor Gentile. You know that that the, the God's people looked at everything as Jew or Gentile, not in G, not in Jesus. Neither male, neither female nor male. Uh, Jesus loved everybody. Jesus focused on the marginalized, the the the, the suffering. The the you know there's a classic teaching um, about how Jesus preferred the poor. You know, and, and the time and the energy and the love. If you compare how he dealt with the with the wealthy and the religious compared to how he dealt with the the sinners and the poor, he absolutely had a preference there. You know, it's it's obvious in the scriptures. Again, there's equality, and it's part of the upside down kingdom. So there's four classic views. You know, the feminist view in the world, the feminist view, the egalitarian view, the complementarian view, and the archaic traditional view. And those those are kind of the categories that the world looks at things. The feminist view considers the Bible a product of male chauvinists cloaked in religion, you know, trying to get the stamp of approval from God. The egalitarian view is men and women are completely equal, no orders mandated or required in marriage, family, or church life. The complementarian view is women and men are equals and have different but complementary roles and responsibility in marriage, family, life, and religious leadership. And fourth is the archaic traditional view. Men are superior to women. And that has been around a very long time. For us in the church, we don't deal with feminist view. We deal with these three, the egalitarian, the complementarian, and the archaic traditional view. Where the scriptures land, from everything I understand, from the teachers in the fellowship, from the elders, groups, the the. We, we generally land in a complementarian view. Women and men are equals, equal value. They are equal beings. They equally hold the the, the image and the and the and the and the uh, the icon of God, the likeness of God. But they have different complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, in family life, religious leadership. The husband is called to take care of his family, to love his wife, to submit to them as well. Um, so if you looked at it as a spectrum, egalitarian, complementarian, archaic view, you'd have the egalitarian way over on the left, the complementarian, you know, this is where um, I believe, and, and and I've checked with a lot of the teachers in the ICLC and the different people, uh, complementarian views is closest to biblical intent. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, just if you do a in-depth study, you see that. Um, that doesn't mean that there's going to be some dis- disagreement. There is. There's, gonna, there's whole denominations that teach differently, that have women leading the churches and preaching and authority over the men, and they land on this differently, right? There's also churches that believe you don't have to be baptized. There's also churches that, that, that believe you pray Jesus into your heart or you know, there's churches that believe, there's literally, there's churches that believe that we are aliens from another planet, you know, and that we have, we will, we'll all become God. There's churches believe we all become God when we die. I mean, there's a lot of different teachers, and I'm not trying to say that this is as crazy as that. There's some that are, you know, like biblical arguments that are close and difficult, 
But just because somebody's teaching differently doesn't mean, oh, there you go. That's the way to go. It's why we have to pound this out and study this out. Where I believe we're moving from as a church. Oh, let me say this. Each of those categories has its own spectrum. You know, like the archaic view. I mean, that that goes from people, and there are still around, who believe women are inferior, who believe women are no more than cattle or beings created to serve us, men, to serve the men, um, to people who, in word and in theory, believe women are equal, but in reality... Don't pay them the same. Don't consider them as intelligent. Don't ask them the questions. Don't invite them to the meetings. Don't seek their input. Don't try to understand their perspective because subconsciously they're biased against them. That's all in the archaic traditional view. Okay, that, And I think we as a movement are trying to move out of that place to the complementarian view where we understand that we're all equal and we all have equal value. And therefore, what a woman thinks is just as important what the sisters think as what the brothers think. That's, I think, personally, I think that's what our repentance is, is getting out of this archaic traditional view. Because to this day, women are paid less, opportunities are available, have, have been denied or just ignored. You know, there's a lot of things that women could be doing that they were not invited to do. They were not invited to be involved in because of the bias, subconscious bias. Um, women are often not consulted, you know, in major decisions, even though half the church is women, half half the world is women. Um, many subconscious biases, you know, and, and it's in our language, it's in how we think, it's in things we say. You know, my silly illustration that's not only not, the, not so silly of, of calling God a her. You know, and I know most of us think, oh boy. You know, some of us would think, oh boy, here we go. Liberalism affecting the church. Now we got to all call God her and she. And, and you know, and, and I mean, it's just our, it's our language. Traditionally, in most, in most languages, if you say, like in Spanish, you say ellos, that's definitely masculine. But that means men and women. Okay, that's men and women. And, and so the masculine form is both. The female form is strictly female. So, again, the language shows our bias. So there's always going to be different views and different arguments. The best that we can do is study, learn, understand, and practice what we believe God is teaching us and showing us, irregardless of how we feel about it or what society says or how countercultural that is. You know, we the church, Christianity, real Christianity, has always been countercultural, both against liberalism and against conservatism. I mean, Jesus was radical in his view and his relationships with women and how he respected women, radical. And yet, he could still tell the Samaritan woman that he was sent to the Jews, and the Jews know what they're talking about, not the others. You know, and, and so he's always radically <laughs> balanced. That's Jesus. And that's that that means, you know, that's a tough position. Cause you're always gonna have some liberals mad at you and always some conservatives mad at you. So that's why the Bible tells us again and again, we strive to please the Lord and fear no man, but we fear God. You know, that that's the balance. So answer everything. Women and men are created equally, 
in God's image and likeness. We've studied that in Genesis. In Jesus, there's neither male or female. I mean, it's just, there isn't. God sees us all the same. When we die and go to heaven, there aren't going to be men and women. There's just going to be people, you know, beings. And we return to that. Everyone is equal in value. Everyone. Every gender, every race, every ethnicity, even every religion. Whether it's Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, we're all equally made in God's image and likeness. And God loves us all. We have different roles and different responsibilities. Some roles... We're called to submit to one. Some roles were called to submit to another. Some roles are called to submit to everybody. I mean, we're, we're all in submission, everybody. And we have different roles, responsibilities. God gave them to us. We do, we trust him. We, by faith, believe in him. God turns everything upside down. I mean, there's a lot of things that are so counterintuitive. You know, the way up is down. <laughs> to, to have everything, give up everything. I mean, it's just, there's, it's the, we're in the upside down kingdom. And we all need to get to shalom, which is what? It's unity and peace between everyone. Where there is justice. Where we treat each other all according to God's creation. We respect each other all according to God's creation. You know, how different. I want you to just think about this. I know time's long here. We're wrapping up. But think about how different the world would be. If we all respected and appreciated and loved each other and valued each other, no matter gender, age, race, language, background, how different the world would be. Would there be hunger? Would there be poverty? Would there be abuse? Would one in every three women as happens today, be abused, suffer some kind of abuse? Would would there be the racial disparity? Would the be would the prisons be filled up with the makeup that they're filled up with? How different our world would be if we were all in shalom, meaning we respect, we love, we admire, we value one another, all as God's image and likeness. So we end it there. If you have any Q&A that you'd like to ask, please send it to the address, metro at net, and I'll figure out a way to answer some of the questions that come up. Thank you so much. And we close with these three questions for your groups. What would our world look like if we treated everyone with equal value? What hidden bias might I have about women or myself? Because half of us are women answering this question. And... We can be something and still have a bias against it because that's what the world teaches us. And there's a whole lot of research study that shows us that when we grow up being told that we're less, after a while we tend to start believing it and we start to think that we're less. And even we cannot trust our own gender or our own race or our own people because of what we've learned from society. Who might I need to treat with greater value? You know, who do who can I grow in reaching out to, respecting, and treating? So we end there. Love you. Uh, one more class on deacons. And uh, that's it. God bless you. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.